Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You're an angry woman right now. That, never, that I never referred to your colleagues. No, you didn't have to. You didn't have to. No, because you're a woman. You didn't to have me. to. Our dear friend Leah McSweetie, not five minutes ago, storms off in a mad dash, and we don't see her ass no more. And nobody called Leah angry. Nobody. I simply take a visceral response to something that felt deeply personal and painful to me, and I'm immediately called angry. Tell me it's not about race. I see, but I am a black woman. Defense. I am a black woman. And it's a girl doesn't seem angry to me. She seems to me. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. Real Housewives edition, New York, Beverly Hills, a double whammy of an episode. Oh man, starting off with New York. Not happy, you guys. Not happy. I just had to change the screensaver on my phone from a picture of Luann outside of Radio City Standing there in a crop top and some leggings with a devil-may-care grin on her face and her arms akimbo, giving you, you're a sicko for cabaret. And now she's a sicko for even more problematic behavior. Now, granted, I mean, do we even have to have this conversation? I trust you guys. I know that you guys are smart. We all know how this thing goes. We all have seen the signs of Luann's problematic behavior, her, um, you know, um, threatening to scalp Carol back in Carol's first season, um, you know, the Diana, um, Ross costume hurled round Manhattan. Um, the signs were there, you guys, but 
This is bad. This was a really bad episode for Luann. It was a bad episode for Ramona. It was a bad episode for Leah, but in a different way. And it just was another unfortunate and ugly reminder that diversity is more than just putting a woman of color in this instance a black woman on a cast of Beverly or of uh, housewives and saying hey won't everything be great now we gave you guys a woman who looks different from all the other white women we've seen this now happen in dallas with tiffany we've seen this happen just last week with crystal and sutton um, and also Garcelle and Kyle having a conversation. And now it's happening in New York. Should we be surprised? Absolutely not. Uh, it's, it's a really unfortunate, I don't want to call it a growing pain, but it's a lesson. And I think it's a lesson to us all that we, we gotta stop just throwing people of color and black people into situations and just thinking that things are going to be good because this is what happens. And it's more often than not happens at the detriment to that black woman or that woman of color. Looking at the, um, Twitter responses to Leva on Southern charm last season. I mean, my God, like, bash my head through a wall. Um, the amount of people who have said, I don't want to see stuff like this. Why does everything have to be political? I'm looking at these television shows, these reality shows that are supposed to people look at people's real lives as an escape from the real world, as if that makes any fucking sense. But basically what these people are saying is like, I know that the way I feel and the way I behave towards people of color and black people is not acceptable. And I don't want to see people get punished for doing the same things that I would do and behaving the same way that I would behave. That's not entertainment. That's real life. I feel for Ebony who has announced that she was going to be taking a couple weeks off of social media because even before the episode aired, because she knew that this sort of conversation was going to be happening. I feel really, like, sad for her. (laughs) I feel sad as a black woman to have to see a a scene like this and an episode like this happen. I feel grateful that these women are putting themselves in the line of fire, those both through like social media ire that's going to be coming to them and has been coming to them. And I, I just feel like a lot of emotions, but you know what? Amongst us was a hero and we will get into that. Thank you. Sonia Morgan for being aside from Ebony, the only adult in the room. Anyway, let's, Go all the way back to the beginning of the episode. What would have been a really, I would say, shitty episode. It just felt, the first half of the episode just felt very performative. And very, like, not what I want to see from New York. This is the behavior of a Tamra 
you know, and a Vicky. We don't need, you know, even I will have to admit there's a little bit of prestige happening with Ramona Singer, even though she has a very um, shaky and tenuous uh, relationship with her own colon and bowel system. Even then, I would say because she's on New York, there's a bit of an expectation that I have out of our New York women. And it's not to like be, I don't know, just like dripping Camus all over the floor. And I don't know, like even when New York does sloppy, they're not often thirsty. And it this felt very thirsty, especially on the part of Ramona. And Lee is doing this thing too, where she just seems very thirsty. <laughs> I don't know what a other word would, would it, for it would be. Like, it just feels like people who are very aware of the camera, very aware that they have, that they're on a show and they have decided that they're going to make it their priority to be center stage. And like, I just don't like that. I don't like that and I don't need it. But like I said, the girls are still, the women are still continuing their Audrey Hepburn party. Ramona has left the table. And she left the table because she doesn't want to be talking about sex. The same old conversation of this, like, these, a large, one of the larger themes of this episode could be goalposts and how they're constantly moving. I, we know that Ramona does not like when Leah gets sexual, but the goalpost that's happening is that she, like, clearly... (laughs) Isn't just the field of hypocrisy, just drowning in a pool of hypocrisy of her own behavior that is like, she can do whatever the fuck she wants, but God forbid, Leah say pussy with a mic pack on and it's like the end of the world. So Ramona has left the dinner table and she very quickly comes back because, you know, thirsty, like I said, and when she comes back to the table, Leah's talking about how she doesn't like to be on top for too long, more than 30 seconds, and how men have had conversations about her and how you can't just stop having sex even though you've come. And her very fair question is, well, that's what you do, so why can't I? <laughs> fair. Fair. Do women really... I, do I... Do I need to... I don't like being on top that much. <laughs> and that's my truth. That that's my truth. Okay, thank you. Um, Ramona's continuing to, like I said, to be, be horrified by Leah's sex talk, and she says, "You know, I just think it's sad that Leah has nothing else to talk about. But the only thing she could try to do in this moment is to change the subject. So, what ch- subject does Ramona try to change things to to switch the course of the conversation? Is to bring up the fact that Leah's grandma's dying actively." actively in that moment and also that she and Ramona got into a fight just the day before so thank you for bringing on lighter subjects can we talk about dick again please um Ramona says you know maybe I'm weird but I was never taught to talk about sex growing up you know like this dick is big this dick is small I like dick I like to fuck his dick is big her pussy small. She has a WP. Let's do a WAP, whatever it's called. I don't know. I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> Let's do a WAP, you guys. <laughs> Leah's like, uh, sounds like you're pretty comfortable now saying all those words. And Ramona's like, can't you just edit yourself just a little bit? Just a little bit for me. I 
cannot do it. So in a confessional, Leah says, if Ramona would just admit how into sex she was and how constantly on the prowl she was, she would be sex positive just like I am. Because I know for a fact that this woman is getting laid more than all of us combined. Ramona then manages to find a feather from somewhere and do some sort of almost um, Sonia doing cabaret-lesque in season six. And she's like, why don't you just like, you know, just just giving examples of what she would prefer Leah to do. Say like, oh, this man strokes me and oh, I just love it when he's stroking me. It makes me so hot, so hot when he strokes me. <laughs> Yuck, Ramona. <laughs> For sure, I would be far more uncomfortable with that. You just rubbing a random goose feather all over your decolletage than you just say, I like dick. We know you like dick, girl. You have a child. Give it up. You know what else would I would find uh, a lot more embarrassing? The fact that my mom doesn't know how to like have a healthy bowel movement. How about that? She's blowing up bathrooms everywhere from uh, Sag Harbor to the Lower East Side. How about that? So Ebony says to Ramona, I just heard you say that you can take a big dick two seconds ago. Did you not just say that? And Ramona starts to get upset. And this is what I didn't like. She was like, no, I'm upset. No, I am upset. I'm like, no, you're choosing to be upset. I can tell. I Even through all those fillers... I can tell that this is a choice that you're making to be upset by Ebony. Um, Ebony just, I don't know what she heard. <laughs> well, we do know what she heard, but I don't know how she heard that. Nobody else seemed to hear um, Eb- uh, Ramona say that except for Ebony. I, you know, I sometimes hear my friends say that they can take big dicks too. Well, does that sound weird? <laughs> That sounded less weird in my head than when it came out of my mouth about a second later. That's, we'll just rewind that. We'll just rewind that and pretend like I didn't say that. (laughs) So anyway, like I said, Ramona gets upset at Ebony and she goes up the stairs with a bottle of Duckworth and is like, oh, you know, uh, they're talking about P's and C's and D's and what happened to elegance? What happened to class? Girl, go up there. (laughs) Just go to bed, girl. Anyway, next morning, uh, we see Ramona in a full short teddy and her nipples fully erect, talking about how she didn't want to talk about sex the night before and how upset she was, right? Just nipples on full blast. She's talking to Sony about how upset she was. Outside, Ebony's talking about Leah, about how, you know, I'm going to apologize to Ramona. Like, I'm not... It's not going to be like a deep apology, but I will respect her because I'm in her house and I want to just smooth things over for everyone else, even though I think she's a huge hypocrite. (laughs) And then up on the screen pops this shining example of Ramona's hypocrisy, a picture that she took with Leah the night before of her in her bra and thong having no problem having her picture taken. But now she doesn't want to talk about P and C and D. Okay. Okay. Well, let's talk about T and A. How about that? Just a full on thirst trap pictures for all the men that, uh, that are like Trump 2020 supporters that are in her uh, phone list, her contact list in her phone. So in a confessional, 
Ebony is me as hell. She's like, I swear I heard Ramona say she could take a big dick. And I was proud of her. And I meant that as a compliment. <laughs> so then Leah and Ebony start talking about this issue. A glaring issue of respectability politics that happen within the group. And they say that they don't like to talk about certain things, but then they act a completely different way that would not lead you to believe that these sorts of conversations are off the table. So back to Ramona and Sonia, they're talking about Heather and this like podcast side story. I don't care. <laughs> I was really like, I'm glad that I did not do my segment about New York last week because I would have been on record as praising Luann and how funny and great I thought she was. So, you know, thank God for timing and my own personal laziness to, to cause me to not do that segment because yeah, she really fucked it up this week, didn't she? Um, so Leah obviously is still dealing with the fact that her mom, her grandmother is, you know, in the midst of passing away and it's a very touchy subject. I, I get it. I totally get it. Then we see Ramona go over to Heather's room to discuss the fact that, you know, the women were kind of coming at her for what she said on her podcast about them. And Heather says, She's trying to get off on a technicality, really. She's like, you know, I just tell my story and my life and the situations that have happened to me as a way of saying, I was in the room when that happened, so I'm allowed to say, which is true. <laughs> it is true. What she's not um, admitting to is that it comes at the detriment of other people's reputations and their lives, and it is public fodder. So, fair. Fair. Ramona just asked Heather, like, please don't talk about me. Don't say good things. Don't say bad things. I just don't want my name in the press, says Ramona Singer, a person who's been on a reality show for over a decade now. Okay. So Luann has set up a nude figure drawing over at her place and the lamb curry party, courtesy of Garth, um, you know, a South African man of Dutch descent. I'm not really sure what his curry making skills are, but um, yeah. Okay, um, we're also supposed to believe that he's attractive, right? Is that what... That's... Because I, I don't see it. I don't see it. He's not doing it for me at all. I just tweeted last night that I thought he looked like Stuart from Mad TV. Like, even down to the plaid shirt. And is he... There's something deeply unwell about a man after the age of, like... 30 <laughs> that that would willingly dye their hair that white blonde that like ew the, she said that man was all, almost 50 right like we know that does not naturally occur in your hair come on that like white blonde the, we can see the roots Garth the roots are brown and they're significant why are you trying to act like you're fucking, I, I don't know, some man who would be on some, like, like beach, Baywatch situation? Like, not even really Baywatch, but, like, the Lifetime television movie version of it where, like, he finds a woman like Luann. <laughs> this is basically, yeah, okay, I'm getting it now. Um, Not cute, right? Does anybody find Garth cute? Don't tell me. Don't tell me. So the other women are getting ready to leave at Ramona's house. Downstairs in the lower level, Leah and Ebony are getting their glam done. Uh, 
uh, Ramona has like a little bit of an issue with it. And Ebony says, listen, I'm a black woman. I have different hair. I have to, um, you know, tend to it and care for it differently. And it takes more time. I probably only have about 15 minutes left. <clears throat> Ramona's like, why would you get hair and makeup? Like very Kyle and Dorit. Why would you feel the need to get hair and makeup and glam done? And <clears throat> couldn't you have come earlier? I'm like, okay, fine, fine. I mean, if you, if you want to be on time that badly, I get it. I, okay, fine, fine. Um, love that Ebony in her confessional was like, okay, so in 1865, the Emancipation Proclamation was signed, so I'm free. <laughs> and you're not going to tell me what I'm going to do and how to spend my time. <laughs> now check that. <laughs> um, I love that when... Luann tries to like when she's going to be hanging out with like her artsy daughter and Nicole that that artsy girl like she always dresses so like what she thinks downtown is like to be like cool Aunt Lou <laughs> so she's wearing the like puffy sleeved leather jacket with a t-shirt that what did that t-shirt say something like if you can name 10 female artists, I'll give you a kiss. Luann, can you do that? <laughs> how about how about you name five and I name five and we'll just we'll just give ourselves a handshake. Name five. Name five that aren't the two women in your family and in your immediate sight. Anyway, in walks Kurt. Ready for his close-up in every sense of the word. I mean, that man was just Ugh, yuck. Not unattractive. He looked fine, but he was just so smarmy. Like, just, like, gooey. Just, like, thick molasses of a man. Just, like, it's all over your fingers. How did it get here? I gotta wash my hands a couple of times to get you off. It's just, like, a nuisance and a hassle. And it's just everywhere. Like, like glitter, like human glitter. He, I don't know why he rubbed me such the wrong way. I think it was because, and this is not to body shame because this is a choice that he made. Clearly, you know, he had gained the quarantine 10. Now I thought his body looked beautiful. Okay. What I didn't like was the excessive sucking in of his stomach and, you know, like, oh, let's lift the chest and, and elongate and try to create an ab or three out of this situation. Just live your best life, my guy. And if you're not ready for the camera, you know, you don't have to pull your dick out. That's not something you have to do. N you don't have to. I just didn't like him. <laughs> he looked like, um, oh, that Patrick guy. Patrick. He was on Girls. That one episode, and he played a doctor. He kind of almost looked like him. Which might be insulting to you guys, because I'm under the impression that y'all find that guy attractive. He doesn't really do it for me, but, like, he's fine. Um, but he also looks like... He just seems like the type of guy who would, like, touch your back in a club and then, like, try to get you to buy him a drink. You know? Something about him. I don't like Kurt. <laughs> I don't like any of these men that happened in, in the Hamptons, or anywhere, really. Um... So Ramona 
and Sonia and Heather show up first. I love that the editors made note to say that Leah and Ebony showed up second, but only 12 minutes later than Ramona and Sonia and Heather did to make sure like this was really not a big deal and not a huge difference in timing. Okay. Um, Luann introduces all the women to Garth and then she goes outside to talk to Heather about why she likes him, which is basically that he is available. When she calls, he picks up. When she says he want to do dinner on Friday, he's there. He's sober. He's just constantly available and always there, just like a puppy. I get it. Like, I can't even roast her for that because literally all I want is a guy who's just available to me at any point in which I want him and never when I don't. I get it. And if he can make curry or anything, that's just a bonus. She like really was like, hey, why don't you make a meal for like 12 and then leave? And he did. That's kind of iconic. Anyway, um, Lou tries to be shady by throwing this guitarist named Alfredo at Sonia, a guy who clearly was not Sonia's type. Uh, Sonia... (laughs) very quickly let us know. She took one look at Alfredo and was immediately disgusted. Um, More so with Lou than Alfredo. She's like, he's an artist. I'm an artist. I don't date artists. I like bankers. Okay. And in a confessional, Sonia says, sometimes Lou, she just fucking astonishes me. Like I like a dandy guy with a check shirt, maybe a pache and a navy blazer and, or Pouchette, maybe it's a Pouchet, um, maybe a navy blazer. I mean, take your head out of Garth's ass. <laughs> then Luann says, I'm offering up Sonia a man, he's got a penis, he'll flirt with her. I mean, what more she could, could she ask for? And it's like, I don't know, maybe not a guy who's in his 70s and has a bandana around his neck, like a fucking golden retriever and a Bob Marley t shirt. Like, ew. Ramona brings it all together and explains it perfectly. It says, Luann's trying to be nice, but Sonia's type is Luann's type. And if this guy was Luann's type, she wouldn't be throwing him to Sonia. So the ladies all get ready for Kurt, the new model. And if he wasn't a creep before, he is a true creepo. Because right about, right before they're about to start, he says something like, you know, I'm very talented, but the one thing I can't do is take this blanket off on my own. Okay, magic, Mike. Um, so Sonia goes up there and they do a one, two, three, ripping that uh, moo-moo off of his waist and to re- reveal his, you know, his, his decolletage, if you will. And, you know, everybody was pretty impressed. Ramona said he had a pretty penis. Um, at one point, Ramona and Sonia are both like, can't even really take what's happening and they're you know shocked shocked and having to take a lap around the property um at one point we hear ebony say that he's manscaped very nicely and then he turns to ebony and he winks at her leah says his dick is bigger than his balls when he's not erect and that's really the most important thing and i'm i'm inclined to agree (laughs) um ramona revealing to leah Hey, look at what I drew. (laughs) And it was just a dick. (laughs) Just a dick right in the middle of the page. And it just cracked me up. 
It cracked me up. And this is where, that was a moment where Leah could have said, hey, why can you do this? Why can you um, look at a naked man in front of a bunch of women and draw a penis and only a penis on a page, but I can't say dick at a dinner table? Why is that? But Leah did not do that. And I, I'm happy that she didn't. Um, Ramona gets very quickly bored and she goes on the couch to sit down and stir her drink with her finger. Did we see that? <laughs> And so, like, I'm just enjoying watching you guys painting. I like the view and the the river, whatever. So Alfredo, the guitarist, starts playing music. Leah's now over it. She's sitting with Ramona. Ramona is like, I don't know if she was stirring the molly in her drink. Because she really got to feel in herself, literally and figuratively, just hearing that music playing, the dulcet tones of his guitar... <laughs> touching all over her body like a Mariah Carey video and oh I just I just love your music it's just moving me and it's touching me and it's so beautiful and ugh. <laughs> it was a, too intimate of a moment Leah then goes inside and she starts to have a little bit of an emotional feeling about dealing with her grandmother and she's talking to Ebony and Ramona you know, fresh from her just, like, seductive dance that she did with Alfredo, tries to soothe Leah, again, much like she did last night, um, by, you know, reminding her that Leah's closer to her grandmother than even her own mother, and more than Rob, and more than anybody in her life, and, you know, oh, woo, 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 shh, shh, shh. you're losing the most important person in your life, shh, 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 shh. Oh, calm down, calm down. Why are you crying? Leah, why are you crying? <laughs> why are you crying harder than when I sat down? And then finally Ramona realizes, you know, maybe that wasn't the most effective way to soothe someone. <laughs> by reminding them of all the things that they're about to lose. Good job, girl. Um, then everybody's getting ready for this famous curry. And... Leah's still trying to get herself together inside. So everybody else is sitting outside, like Ebony and Ramona and Heather. And they're talking about what Leah's going through and the significance behind losing her grandmother. And Heather and Ebony are kind of, they're on the same page about, you know, what losing her grandmother means. And Ebony says, you know, it's like the person that her, Leah's grandmother was the person to tell her that she was enough. And Heather's like, well, now it would be time for her friends to step in and do that for her. And then Ramona, again, has this woman ever had an emotion <laughs> outside of drunk and angry? Like, I, <laughs> she's very strange. She says, you know, just turns to Heather and says, Leah looks at me like an older sister and she looks for me for affirmations. And when I don't give them to her, that's when she gets angry and depressed. So... You think that that's why she's upset, is that you're not affirming her, and not the fact that her grandmother is on her deathbed, that you're not, okay. <laughs> so then, now here's the hell. Here go, hell come. We gotta talk about what happened with Luann and Ebony. So, I'm trying to be, like, very, ju not judicious, but um, detailed with my notes, so you'll have to bear with me. I'm at the 28th. 29 minute mark and I was 
telling myself, Carrie, you got to be out here in 30. That clearly isn't going to happen because, oh my God, I have more than half of my notes left. So going to try to get through it quickly. (laughs) Um, I would like to say, first and foremost, that Luann starts the whole drama up by asking what happened when she went to bed earlier the night before. So when they were continuing their Audrey Hepburn party, Luann did say, she excused herself and went to bed early because she said, you know, good things don't happen after a certain time of night, especially not for me, especially when these girls were drinking. So bye. So she wants to know what happened because she heard a lot of screaming and Emily explains the reason why she and Ramona got into it was because there was a uh, language used that Ramona doesn't like. And Leah chimes in and says, actually she was talking to me about how, she loves me, but she doesn't like the way I talk about sex. So Luann was like, oh, well, she says that how Ramona was feeling is fair. And she tries to say, you know, Ramona's like me. Like, we're both church-going Catholics, and we tend to be a little bit more conservative. And Leah says under her breath, like, come on, give me a break. So in a confessional, Leah says, Ramona Singer and Christian values should not be in the same sentence. This is a woman who lied about donating blood plasma. Thou shalt not lie. (laughs) So then back at the table, Luann says something about how there's a line where that kind of talk gets to be too much. And Ebony's like, yeah, for some people. And Leah says, you know, it's just hard for me to know where the line is and what the line is, because I feel like there's some hypocrisy happening with Ramona. So Ramona starts up about how she wants to have a relationship with Leah, but even... Avery and Avery's friends don't speak that way. And Leah's like, are you kidding me? Like, do you think your daughter is going to speak that way to you about sex in front of you? And then Leah gets up and she's like, I'm so over this. Like, get me out of here. So in a confessional, Leah says, do not compare me to your daughter. Me and your daughter are nothing alike. I'm also not your daughter. (laughs) And I love this little reminder that Leah and Avery have a little bit of a beef with each other. And I think that that might be part of what is pissing Leah off about the situation is that Ramona keeps bringing Leah or Avery into it, knowing that you guys remember last summer when they were doing a bunch of, you know, uh, marathons of old seasons or no, this was, this was last season where Avery was watching last season of Leah and how she was drunk out at their Newport trip. And Avery recorded a bunch of like Instagram stories about how she was cringing and how she's embarrassed for her mom and how are you associated with uh, these, these people and called her mom the voice of reason. So Leah clapped back at her and told Avery to sit down and Ramona, do you want to involve Avery in our drama? And, you know, she's 24 and and she's fair game to me. And actually she's actually closer to my age than I am to your age, Ramona. She must be a trigger for her. And I would like to see more of that. (laughs) That is something I would like to know. Are Avery and, and Leah, have they made up? What's the tea on that? Um, So then Leah says to Ramona, you don't want to talk to me. You don't want me to talk about sex, but you were dancing around with your thong, flashing your titties to me last night. Make up your mind. Which one is it? And Luann, you're acting like you're on a high horse. Give me a break. And Luann says, I'm trying to explain it to you. 
And Leah says, well, do me a favor and don't explain it. <laughs> well, Sonia is the only one who's being reasonable and says, just let Leah say whatever she wants to say. And if she wants to say the C word, let her do it. She was just crying in there, in the house, just a couple minutes ago. Leave her alone. <laughs> so then Leah goes to the front of the house to wait for the car. Because she's out. And back at the table, Ebony says, this is a lot. Like, you guys are doing a lot over something that really isn't that big of a deal. And Ramona tries to tell Ebony about a moment where Leah had gone out to eat with Ramona and Avery and Avery's friends. And she was using the P word. Now, when I think the P word, I think pussy. (laughs) But we get that flashback. And Leah says, I want to find a billionaire with a nine inch Never mind. So she doesn't even say penis. Doesn't even say penis. She stops herself. And Ramona freaks the fuck out and is like, seriously, you have to stop. And Leah's like, they're 24. I had a baby at 24. (laughs) I can't almost say the word penis. Like, give it up, girl. So then Ramona starts talking about how it's about respect. And Luann asks Ebony if, she understands what's being said and everybody's like yeah but like I won't use those words because you told me that you don't like them but I'm also not liking the idea that to use those words means that you're not classy or you're not a lady and Ramona starts to get annoyed and says I never said that I never said that yelling um I just said it makes me uncomfortable and Ebony says I swear I just heard Lou says something about being raised in the church And Luann says, well, yeah, but that has nothing to do with class. It has to do with education. (laughs) Here's a bunch of question marks around my head. What does you and Ramona being raised in the Catholic Church have to do with your education? What is it? The two aren't. They're not meeting for me. I don't understand what she's saying. And again, this is another situation of the goalposts moving so it's not okay like oh I didn't say it was about class I said it was about our upbringing it wasn't about upbringing it was about education is it about class is it about education or is it about your conservative upbringing because you would have made a much better point by saying hey we've still got some like religious stuff in the background from how we grew up and we just like don't talk about things like that in public that would have been fair. We could have just deaded this conversation at that, but Luann wanted to make it about something else. And what Luann didn't realize is that she was talking to somebody who <laughs> is more educated than her, more on that later, but is also smarter than her. Education or not. Nah. So then Ebony turns to Lou and says, well, it has nothing to do with education either. I frankly have more education than anybody at this table. And then Ramona and Luann start getting more annoyed and agitated. And and Ramona's like, how would you know if we're more educated? Did you Google us? And Ebony's like, yeah, I Google everybody because I Google everyone I meet. Yeah, I do. <laughs> so... um. Ramona starts to laugh and she like, you know, that was a bit of a de-escalation where Ramona's like, all right, well, you got me there. Yeah, you do Google me. Okay, fair. And Luann is still pissed and says, so do you think that your degree makes you more education? Education. <laughs> wow. Okay. We'll see, see how many degrees I have. Um, do you think that your degree makes you more educated? And Ebony says, well, 
technically, yes, it does. And then Luann says, well, this is probably the stupidest thing I've ever heard somebody say for somebody who's so educated. Why did this rub her the wrong way? Why do we think this rubbed her the wrong way? Clearly, Luann has gone to school. She has her LPN, not her RN, but her LPN. She has completed education. Is it the crime of the century that Ebony is correct in saying that she has further has the furthest line of education? Educated does not necessarily mean smart. Why Luann took this as an attack, a direct attack on her intelligence is beyond me. Leah has still not gotten to her car, so she's still waiting and comes back to the table. Still, she's in the middle of her fight, not realizing that these women are now talking both about and not about her. But Leah's still heated and is heated at Ramona. She's like, if you bring up your fucking daughter to me one more time about sex, give me a fucking break. She's probably been sucking dick since age 14. (laughs) So at this point, Ramona's screaming. And Leah says, I don't want to hear about it. And then they both start yelling bullshit at each other. Bullshit, 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 bullshit. So in a confessional, Sonia says, I know that Leah likes to get a rise out of Ramona and I don't blame her. But personally, I would not have said anything insulting about her daughter. So then Leah says to Ramona, you know, last year, maybe I would have taken this, but I'm not going to take it anymore. And then she points to everybody and says, you're a hoe, you're a hoe, you're a hoe, you're a hoe, you're a hoe. Leave me alone. Biggest hoes ever. (laughs) So Ramona says, Leah always gets so offensive or uh, aggressive and defensive and it's ridiculous. And nobody appears to be listening to Sonia except for the editors who flashed to her saying that Leah should be able, again, to say whatever she wants and Ramona should just not bring her around certain friends or family members if she doesn't like what Leah has to say. And then at that point, Leah gets her in her car and leaves. Heather tries to defuse the situation and she says she thinks that the biggest issue is the fact that nobody's listening to each other. And Luann says, well, I tried to explain it and I think I made it pretty clear and then turns to Ebony and says, for an uneducated person. So, (sighs) Ebony says, no one said you were uneducated. I have to clear this up. And immediately in Ramona and Lou, ask her why she's yelling and why she's making it about her and to not make it about herself. I mean, when somebody swipes at you like Luann just did, clearly feeling some type of way about being, in her mind, perceived as uneducated which that was clearly not what was being said. Um, Yeah, you have every right to defend yourself. And if you want to clear up what you were trying to say, why would that make her be self-centered and making things about her? And why is she yelling? She wasn't yelling. She is a newscaster. Like, you know, she works in the field of entertainment. Her voice carries, Okay. So Luann tries to say that Ebony said that she was the smartest one and you could hear Sonia say, no, she did not say that. She was said she was the most educated at the table. And Ebony says, uh, thank you, Sonia, which is, it's a fact. That is a terminal fact. And in a confessional, Sonia says she didn't say she was smarter or prettier or more anything, just educated. It's a resume. (laughs) 
So Luann says to Ebony, I don't think, <clears throat> you know, I don't think you speak three languages. Let's not go tit for tat. Okay, well, why did you bring up the languages then if you didn't want to go tit for tat? It's exactly what you're doing right now, girl. Um, <clears throat> so in a confessional, Luann says that she's seeing red and that, that the education to her means somebody who's well-rounded, well-traveled, speak languages, and she's trying to make us feel like we're idiots? No, Luann. <laughs> if you had let her finish what she was saying, I'm assuming what, what uh, Ebony was trying to say is, I have more education than anybody, and I say the same things that Louie at Leah does. It's not really a determinant on who I am as a person. And really what Luann was saying was like pretty fucking classist because not everybody has the opportunity to travel the world and meet counts and, you know, learn the language and, and be in Europe and be in, you know, like there are plenty of people who are more educated than Luann that don't speak several several languages. You know, like it it's also not a game. Or you know, like it's not a competition. Who cares? <laughs> Who gives a shit? All of you guys are winning. You're all fine. Everybody's okay. Literally kill me if I'm in my 50s still comparing myself to other women in this way or in any way. Like my god, what's the point? <laughs> There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th Do you want to tell people the big news all right i'll do it. sign up now and you'll get unlimited for 15 dollars a month in six months of paramount plus essential plan on us mintmobile.com slash switch upfront payment of 45 dollars, equivalent to 15 dollars per month unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month face lower speeds videos at 480p active mint customers by 531 24 get six months of paramount plus essential plan auto renews after six months offer ends may 31st 2024 separate paramount plus registration required terms and conditions apply if rated pg So Ebony says to Luann, I don't like the way you said that people who don't speak languages or adhere to your social standards. And Luann cuts her off and says, you got it all wrong. I'm talking about Catholicism and you got that wrong because, oh, you're miseducated, aren't you? And then Luann is still stuck on Ebony saying that she was the smartest girl in the room, which clearly she absolutely did not say. So in a confessional, <clears throat> Ebony says, look, you want to talk about reading? Let's talk about reading. I... Graduated high school at 16. I went to UNC Chapel Hill. I was practicing law by the age of 23. You can say a lot of things about me, but you can't say I'm not educated. So then Lou turns to Ebony and says, I don't like the way you talk. And Ebony says, I don't like the way you talk. <laughs> and so Luann says, well, don't come to my house and tell me I don't have an education. And Ebony says, well, I can leave your house, Lou. That's fine. So Lou and Ramona start talking about how loud Ebony's getting and Ramona's 
putting her hands over her ears and um she's definitely not being any louder than what leo was being nor was ebony being louder than ramona and luann are in this moment talking about how loud she is ebony calls out ramona's obvious white fragility which gets you know dust under luann's feathers and she tries to explain white fragility in this moment is you guys sitting here and acting like the way I'm speaking and how I'm speaking is more aggressive than what you guys are doing and what Leah was doing. <clears throat> Ramona immediately gets up out of her seat and yells to the point where her neck veins are popping out. She's reaching over the table. She's gesticulating wildly, not realizing again, she's being way louder than Ebony was just being when she covered her ears. So Lou turns to Ebony and says, why are you getting so angry? Why are you yelling right now? And Ebony says, okay, so now I'm the angry black woman. And Luann says, I'm not even going to go there. You know, I, I said, you're an angry woman. I didn't bring race into it. Heather tries to play peacemaker and says, you know, some people are more conservative and buttoned up and other people just let it all hang out and talk about whatever. And Ebony says, Heather, I'm not trying to cut you off, but I did not like Luann making a false equivalency between people's education and what Leah said. So Luann again says, why are you angry? You're being an angry woman right now. And Ebony side-eyes the fuck out of her as she had every right to. So in a confessional, Ebony says, our dear friends, our dear friend Leah McSweeney just stormed off not five minutes ago, made a mad dash. We didn't see her ass anymore. And nobody called Leah angry. Nobody. I simply have a visceral reaction to something that I felt was deeply personal and painful to me. And immediately I got called angry. So tell me it's not about race. And she's absolutely right. The way they treated, nobody said anything about Leah's anger or her reaction until she left. And at that point, Ramona said, oh, she's so aggressive. But nobody tried to check her. Nobody tried to say, oh, you're being too loud. They had that conversation with her and they were letting the, them have a converse conversation <laughs> back and forth until Leah walked out. And then Ebony says something and all of a sudden our ears are bleeding and she's so angry. And why are you acting like this? And what are you doing? And oh my gosh, you have to leave. Um, Sonia in a confessional says the girl doesn't seem angry to me. I think she just used her words. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That is exactly being a black woman in this country trying to establish any sort of uh, opinion or a strong opinion or stick up for yourself. Simply using our words gets confused and goes to this place of we're angry, we're upset, calm down. It is so annoying. <laughs> it is so infuriating to be treated like a hysterical woman for having an opinion and stating how you feel. And this goes right back to what Garcelle said last week about how she has trained herself to be extra sweet and diffuse every situation because she does not want to be in the place where she simply is stating her opinion and gets to be the angry black woman forever. And that's the problem. 
That's the problem. Do I think that Luann was specifically trying to be overtly or even... Was was she trying to be overtly racist? No. Were there a lot of implicit biases that were happening that made her feel like this was an acceptable thing to say to Ebony? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I just, uh, I just, my heart breaks for Ebony that she clearly saw this episode and what was going to be happening and was like, you know what, I'm going to take myself out of the game because... I already know where this is going. I know how people are going to treat me. I know how people are going to perceive the situation. And I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Ramona tries to gain an ally anywhere she can. And she goes over to Victoria, who is eating inside. And is like, Victoria, if you were, would you say these things in front of your, you know, let's say your mom or like your friends or family. Would you say something like, I like fucking cock and... Uh, you know, I, I love that cock and I like dick. And would you say that? Would you say like how much you like dick and cock and, and dick and cock and penis in front of your mother? Would you ever say that? And Victoria's like, uh, no, no I probably wouldn't. <laughs> but again, Leah's not your daughter, Ramona. She's not your daughter. Um, so back to the table, Ebony says, Luann, if you really don't want me here, I will leave your property because I respect you. And Luann says, you know, I think you should go. You need to calm down and think about what you just said because it was very offensive to us. That was the comment that was really like the punch in the stomach right after a full meal of bullshit For her to say, you need to think, you need to calm down and think about what you just said because it was very offensive to us. See, I'll be damned. That pumpkin on her tablescape would have been on the side of her head. (laughs) I would have been, I, I would have just walked right into that kitchen and poured over that whole pot of of Garth's ugly curry. Thank you very much. And it would have been over. Like, yeah, I'm leaving. And I'm taking taking everything with me. Okay? Taking all these dick drawings. Taking Kurt. Taking Victoria. (laughs) Uh, You know, I'm taking your ugly leather jacket. And we're out. You need to calm down and think about what you said. Bitch, you're not my mama. I'll be damned. So Ebony says, you're not going to police my feelings and I'm not going to silence myself for you. What you did was try to shame any woman who was sexually free and used education to do it. And that's trash. And you should be familiar. Boop. Boop, boop, boop. And she takes her Birkin and walks out. And that's how you clear a bitch. Thank you very much. I'm waiting to see if Luann says anything, if she says it before I get this episode up, I will add an addendum, but as of now, it's quiet for Lou and it's quiet on my devotion to Lou. All right, let's move on to Beverly Hills. You're a ridiculous human being. I'm sorry. Jesus. It's exhausting. Ah. 
Being told that I was a ridiculous person wasn't the nicest thing. I'm sorry. Move on. I said, I'm sorry. Okay, nice apology. Don't say Crystal's being a little tough on Sutton, but Sutton and I didn't hit it off right away either. I think sometimes people just rub you the wrong way. Y'all, come on, I can't do this. I really can't. I gotta go to bed. For them right now, their energy is not vibing. There's no moving it forward. It's your fault, Kathy Hilton. Sutton is just proving to me that she's the kind of person that I thought she was last night. All right, y'all, let's talk about Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, AKA Crystal and Kathy's Hour of Power. I love my two new ladies. I couldn't be happier. And without them, the season would be a flop. We, we just have to be honest about that. Um, so let's talk about the episode. We pick up where we left off, which last episode was with Kyle, Crystal, and Sutton in the uh, kitchen. And Crystal's asking Sutton, are you that girl? Are you the kind of girl who's going to say that you don't see race? Of course, Sutton starts to cry immediately. And she says, I really am that girl. I am that girl that don't see race and I don't see color. And in a confessional, Crystal says, to say I don't see color is just like to brush somebody's existence under the rug. So do we, I mean, I have to assume that you guys know what is messed up about using the phrase, I don't see color. But if you don't, it is basically to deny the existence that there are differences in this world, that there are different cultures, that there are... Because typically when white people say that, it's like, I see you like me. And Crystal brought up a great point, is that like a lot of people will say, like I don't see you as Asian, I don't see you as anybody. But it's like, when you say that, you're almost implying that there was something wrong with being Asian. And it's like, I don't see you like that. And that's not okay. It's not okay. Kyle and Sutton start to commiserate over the fact that black people talking about race to them is upsetting to them. And Kyle says she stayed up all night thinking about what Garcelle said to her. So even though I gave Kyle a little bit of props last week for at least handling what Garcelle said to her, well and acknowledging and thanking her for educating her to say that you stayed up all night thinking about what Garcelle said to you is like well are you saying up because she said it or are you saying up because of what she said because that is a very distinct difference I don't recall through all these like tearful faces that Sutton is making that an actual tear fell down her chin or her cheek but okay she keeps telling Crystal to give her a break and not to go there. And then Kyle tries to explain that what Sutton is trying to say is that she sees everybody as the same and that she's not trying to be mean, which of course Crystal understands what Sutton means. But it's the further implications of putting everybody on the same play playing field when not everyone is on the same playing field that is the problem. So Crystal... <laughs> in a confessional says, I just feel like the generation before me was taught to be colorblind and Sutton's 20 years older than me. And you know, the logic is outdated and then cut to a quick flash of Sutton and the editors put 12 years older than Crystal. On the screen. <laughs> I love it. So the next morning, the ladies are all gathered around the kitchen and 
Sutton tells everyone that the night before Kathy came into her room and she was naked. Sutton was naked. Kathy came into her room with her box fan and a bunch of pillows, probably thinking that it was Kim. Who's to say? (laughs) She's blonde. She's probably about the same height. She probably thought it was Kim. And then Kyle's like, well, Kathy ended up in my room after that. And we see this footage. (laughs) Kathy laid up, posted up in Kyle's bed, eating chips, eating what she thought is a quote soft or drinking what she thought was a soft drink, but was actually a Red Bull at 1.30 in the morning. And then flipping through all her newspapers, Kyle's desperately from underneath the covers talking about how she likes to go to bed early and this is not her vibe. And Kathy's like, yeah, well, on to page seven. (laughs) The lady is an icon. (laughs) I really keep vacillating between is this the smartest lady in the world or is this a woman who truly Mr. Magoo her way through the universe? And I think it might be both. I think it might be both. Um, Then Lisa starts telling the girls about how they're going on this like bicycle track and Kyle takes this opportunity to remind everyone that she just got her nose done again. And she's like, oh, am I going to fall off? Am I going to fall off the track and hurt my nose with my new nose job? Because I just took 10 years off of my nose and the doctor said that I, I look so much younger now. Do you guys remember that I got my nose job? Do you guys remember? I got my nose done. Halloween. On the set of Halloween, it broke. With the bangs. And my nose job. Um, is they're acting like... They're about to go on some, like, wild goose chase and not a preset track that you can't possibly fall off of. Everybody's awake, except for Kathy. (laughs) It's 9.37 in the morning. Kyle goes into her room and Kathy's dead asleep and is like, get out. Get out of here. So the girl's... Is this the point where Kyle reminds everybody that, um, no, that's later. We'll get to that later. Okay, so everybody's getting ready for their bicycle activity, and Sutton takes Crystal aside and just says, I don't want you to think that I'm not sensitive to other races and other cultures, and Crystal says, I do believe that you see everyone equally, and that you weren't trying to be, you know, your implications were good. And then Sutton says, well, what really set me off is when, Crystal, you said, you're, I'm the girl who doesn't see color, and and that's insulting. So I'm a little bit confused here, because last night you were insistent that you were the kind of girl who doesn't see color, but it seems like maybe um, since you went to bed last night, you asked Jeeves on why that is not okay and why that is probably an insult towards you, and you decided to be insulted about that. This wasn't Sutton feeling guilty for what she said and the implications of what she said. This is her wanting an apology because she just realized that what Crystal saying was saying to her was not a positive thing. But Sutton doesn't realize is that it's not Crystal's responsibility to make her feel good about where Sutton stands on racial issues. It's Sutton's job to make Crystal feel good about that. So then Sutton excuse me, Crystal apologizes. She does say she's sorry to Sutton. And for using that, like, phrase, that girl. Like, are you that girl? And she apologizes that it struck a nerve with Sutton. 
So then in a confessional, Crystal tells this really sad story about how she was 10 or 11. She was at the gas station with her father and somebody pulled up to their car and said, you need to go back to your country and you're taking all of our money and how her dad was so scared that he just drove off and never said anything to her about it. And she could feel, you could tell that she felt the pain for the situation itself and also the pain for her father that he was so shook by the situation that he couldn't even express that to her. Sutton then tries to relate to Crystal by saying that there was one time when she was in the elevator as a girl and somebody in the elevator heard her southern accent and asked her if she was racist. And apparently this has set the tone for her being sensitive towards being called racist. Okay, fair. <laughs> it it's probably does not feel great. Well, I can tell you, it doesn't feel great to be judged based on something about your physicality that you cannot help, right? Um, but you would think rather than Sutton using this as a way to get out of saying fucked up things, that Sutton would take that experience and say, I have experienced an ounce of what it feels like to be a marginalized uh, section of society oh my gosh, how do my women of color, my people of color friends, my black friends, how they must go through life and not, hey, Crystal, you should apologize because one time a guy called me racist when I was a kid. So it's now after 11 o'clock in the morning and Kyle goes back to Kathy's room to try and wake her up. Again, she's like, leave me alone, lowly sister. In a confessional, Kyle says that... <laughs> Kathy would sleep with tinfoil on her windows when they were growing up to keep the light out. And if anybody broke or tried to wake her up, she would bite their head off. <laughs> tinfoil? <laughs> that might that might be answering a lot of questions as to why Kathy is the way that she is. Just, I don't know what um, other substances, I don't know what sort of regulations they had on the foil industry in like the 70s. I imagine it's probably not what it is now. So, you know, maybe we might be uh, rounding the corner on getting some answers here. <laughs> so then um, they're getting into the vans and Kathy or Crystal reveals that her name is from Crystal Gale and Crystal Carrington. I'm, I'm thinking that's from Dallas. I'm a baby. I don't understand these references. <clears throat> On the way to the activity, clearly the editors were like, okay, we have to put one Erica in jail reference here. We don't have access to her closets this episode since we're on a vacation. So let's try to do something with this. Let's work with something. So they were sure to play this clip in which they're in the car. Erica sees a sign that I think says Gardnerville. And she tells the ladies in the car that that's where the most fugitives live in California or something. And Lisa Rinna's like, how would you know that? And Erica says, well, because I used to, somebody told me that. <laughs> what What is happening here with Erica? She's really, I wonder how she feels about all of these like shady editing moves that are happening. Do you think, okay, 
even if Erica is completely innocent, could you see production dragging you to hell and back like this and come back for the next season? I don't know. I don't know how you come back from something like this. Anyway, all of these women are acting like this track is like a high stakes NASCAR situation and not some sort of like gold rush throwback on what looks like like a roller skate basically like like they're just on a gigantic roller skate but okay um there's a lot of screaming Sutton doesn't like to go too fast Kyle is worried that her nose is gonna fall off the cliff or something um Dorit and the other girls are going super fast and you know I feel like none of them are going more than five miles an hour so why are we doing this why are we doing this? We could have just set up a camera in Kathy's bedroom because when she comes back or when they come back to the house, we find out that Kathy's gone on an old whole adventure on her own. They get back to the house and Kathy is standing in the hallway bleary eyed, <laughs> realizing that she actually put eardrops in her eyes, thinking that they were eye drops. I mean, I don't know a better woman. How does this woman live? Oh, Lord. So a couple of the women are outside the house and Erica's mentioning how she's easygoing and that might be hard to believe, but because she says the reason why she's so easygoing is because she's content to be, let people be who they are because she likes to be herself. And then she says, well, that's one of the things that I really love about Tom is that he likes for me to just be myself. Now, did you guys all see that tweet? from last week where somebody tweeted and I wish I could think of what their username was, but they said this trip took place over like late October. And we know this because they're mentioning at one point they do mention the election and how nervous they are about the upcoming results. Y'all remember Erica filed or announced that she had filed for divorce on election day. So we're talking on October 28th, she's talking about why she loves Tom so much is because he lets her be who she wants to be. And then less than five days later, you're filing for a divorce. You didn't even have to offer that information, girl. So really, if I'm on the side of prosecution, I would say this looks like a woman who had no intention of leaving her husband until she may have gotten wind that something was coming out down the pike and it wasn't going to be good for her. So she decided to cut bait real quick. That's what it looks like to me. So then everybody's shuffling outside at this point and... They start to notice that Sutton is wearing slippers that look like an apple fritter. Look like two apple fritters on her feet and with hair on them. And Kyle looks at the label and realizes that they're that mom. Um, a very high-end label. And she looks up. <laughs> Sutton's begging, please don't look how, how much. It doesn't matter how much it is. And Kyle's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Google, yes, $2,000 for these ugly, wookie slippers, girl. What kind of fur was on those slippers, girl? Girl. They weren't even cute, girl. Girl. Anyway. Garcelle then turns to Kathy to talk to her about how Paris came on her talk show, The Real, and how shocked she was by Paris's real voice. And Kathy starts to talk about how 
Paris is really like more confident now and Garcelle cuts her out, cuts her off. And it's like, you know, I've met Paris on numerous occasions. And I have to tell you, like, I kind of used to think that Paris is a pain in the ass because I would see her show up to these fashion shows and these parties and she would always be on her phone. And I was thinking, why are you here? And Kathy says, well, there's a reason for that. And she says, Kyle, tell her what it is. So Kyle says that basically Paris has like some sort of social anxiety and that she gets very nervous and she's painfully shy. And so she uses her phone as like a comfort or a crutch to help her ease her anxiety. And Garcelle says, you know what? I'm actually glad that I did say that. I'm glad that I called out your daughter and your niece respectively for being an asshole because now I know the truth and now I know the backstory behind it. And then Kyle had to get her dig in again and said, in a confessional, oh, well, I'm glad that uh, Garcelle and I made up a couple days ago because if not, I would probably feel pretty upset that she was coming after another one of my family members. That's like, or judging another one of my family members. It's like, um, Kyle, Garcelle wasn't judging you. You were judging her and saying that she didn't give money for the donation that she raised her hand for. That's not a judgment on you. I mean, it is for saying it, but <laughs> you started this. That's the point. You started it, girl. Anyway, um, the girls are all getting ready for dinner. I usually find these, like, I. it depends on the, the city, which of these, like, getting ready or packing moments that I find interesting. With Beverly Hills, I find it to be a lot more of the same. It's just like, you know, labels, 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 fashion, fashion, glam, glam, Mikey, I don't care. Um, the thing that I did find interesting at this moment is <laughs> that Kyle and Lisa are in Kathy's room and Kathy points to this red, furry, fuzzy jacket that she's got in her closet. And she says, Kyle, whose jacket is that? I guess whose jacket that is. And Kyle's like, oh, is it Paris's? And Kathy says, I have no idea who it belongs to. Somebody just left it at my house. <laughs> These are the moments. These are the moments that I deserve. Garcelle and Lisa Renner are the first ones to get ready and wait downstairs for the rest of the women. And they're having the most delightfully awkward conversation about just anything where you just like pick something out in the scenery and let's talk about that. So they're talking about how the weather's been so nice. It's been so nice. It's been so nice, hasn't it? And then Lisa looks up and says, well, that's quite a beam. At a gigantic wooden beam in the middle of the living room. It is quite a beam. It's quite a beam. Everyone sits down for dinner and Sutton brings up the conversation she had with Crystal the night before. And how, in her words, all of a sudden it became a race conversation. Even though it was about race from the beginning. The conversation became a you conversation. Because you decided to make Kyle discussing her conversation with Garcelle about your issues with race. Well, Sutton tells everyone she got really upset and they ask why. And then Sutton turns to Erica and says, well, don't you feel like Southern girls, we have to defend ourselves. And Erica makes a face like, not really. <laughs> and so Sutton says, you know, I just feel like most Southerners almost have to prove that they're not racist. And Erica says, 
No. No. <laughs> and so in a confessional, Erica says, Growing up in the South, I have seen and heard a lot of racist things. But personally, I have never felt that because I'm from the South, people think I'm racist. The only sort of insight that I can bring to this situation as a not-white person who lived in the South for a healthy amount of time, I have definitely experienced relatives from up North who assume that I was like inundated with racist situations because of living in the South. Um, but I've never seen, I've never been in a situation where I've seen a white Southerner be called racist purely because they grew up in the South. I really wouldn't be surprised at all if there were people who have made that assumption before, but the fact <laughs> the fact that Sutton, it appears that this has happened so frequently to Sutton that she feels like this is something that she can commiserate with Erica with, but whereas Erica's like, girl, I don't know what you're talking about, sounds more like a hit dog hollering, as we say in the South, where if you feel like you hear something and it's hitting a little too close to home, <clears throat> uh, maybe you got hit and you're telling on yourself. So Dorit is trying to explain and trying to understand what the difference is between people's perception of Sutton versus people's perception of Erica. And she says, well, I think that the first thing that comes off to me, the difference between you guys is that Sutton does have a very thick southern accent and erica has spent most of her life in new york and la which tend to be more multicultural cities and also she doesn't really have an accent like maybe it comes out every now and again but it's not nearly as obvious as sutton's so sutton stops her and says that's not fair wait a minute hang on like i've been in a world that's very multicultural too dorit just so we're clear and dorit's like okay <laughs> so Sutton in a confessional says she lived in New York and Paris and London and she's not just some woman from a hick town who left the South three days ago and Dorit says I wasn't trying to offend or insult you at all I'm just trying to make sense of what the difference is between you two and I just feel like Sutton you got real quick to be defensive so Crystal I guess I should time out and say that all of the women are having to divide up because they can't all sit at one long table so they have to like divide them up in like three tables that are all in one long row they didn't really make sense to me because it's not like the tables were socially distanced from one another it was just like oh we can't have you guys all sit at one table so we'll just separate it by like a couple feet between the tables i didn't really get it but okay even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Okay. Um, so Dorit and Crystal are sitting at their same table and Dorit is sitting next to Sutton, but at two different tables. So they're a few feet apart. So Dorit turns to Crystal and Crystal says, talking about Sutton, like, can we just have a conversation and be normal? Like, why can't Sutton just chill the fuck out? She's always being so extra and so weird. <laughs> and so Kyle is sitting on the other side of Sutton. So they're like a good seven feet away from each other. And so Kyle's trying to figure out what are you guys talking about? And Dorit turns to Kyle and explains to her, like, I just tried to tell her something, but Sutton snapped at me. And Garcelle says, yeah, Sutton's really touchy right now. Really touchy. So the, at, at this point, <laughs> a waitress walks up to Kathy with two martinis. And Kathy hands one to Dorit to do bottoms up, meaning chug, chug, chug a lug, right? So they chug their glasses, and I have never seen Erica's face look more shook. <laughs> Not since they were in, did they go to Berlin? And she was in that, like, red, tight, latex outfit, and she's trying to cross the street, but then some bicyclist rides right past her, and she looks at the the um, camera, <laughs> <laughs> like right down the barrel of the camera. I've never seen Erica look so shocked, particularly at Dorit, who just chugged what she thinks is a martini. So after she's finished chugging, Dorit turns to Erica and gives her the signal to, hey, look at your phone. And we see Dorit's screen of her phone pop up on the TV, and it's a text from Kathy. And Kathy tweet texts Dorit and says, I have a fake martini all water I'm going to offer you. And so uh, Dorit texts back to Kathy, is this real? Is this real for Erica and Lisa with three cringe face emojis? And Kathy texts back, yes. So what Kathy's trying to do is do this fake first shot with Dorit. And then she's going to bring some fake and some real martinis continue to chug her water martini, but have the other women thinking that they're having real martinis and chug those too. In a confessional, a producer asks Kathy, how are you still standing after two martinis? And she says, it's water. <laughs> so then the screen rolls back to 17 minutes earlier where Kathy is whispering to the waiter Excuse me, she whispers first to Garcelle, we should do a game where we pretend to have martinis with water. And then we see Kathy tell the waitress, I'm going to have a water with olives. Just make it look like a martini. So then Kathy and Dorit do their fake bottoms up. And then Dorit tells Erica and Lisa to get them in on the joke too. So Kathy then thinks that she's pranking everybody except for Dorit. But Dorit has now turned it around and... And so Kathy 
it's a whole thing. Kathy thinks that she's pranking Erica and Lisa, but Erica and Lisa already know, so they're actually pranking Kathy by doing the fake water martini shots as well. So really, nobody's chugging this vodka, is the point. But not everybody knows who's in on the joke. And who is especially not in on the joke? Sutton. Sutton also is realizing that people are saying, hey, look at your phone, look at your phone, tee-hee-hee, giggle-giggle, and thinking that she is being left out of something and that people are doing something behind her back. And so Sutton starts to get even more of an attitude than she's had before. So the ladies finish their meal in the van. They get in the van and Sutton says, you know, I just noticed something was going on with the martinis. And, you know, when I'm just not in on the joke, I, I get freaked out. And so Crystal kicks her and tries to whisper because Kathy's sitting right in front of her. Hey, girl, this is a prank on Kathy. Keep her keep her mouth shut, ma'am. I will kick you with these apple fritter slippers that you got on all day. So then Sutton starts getting hot under her Dolce collar and about how she doesn't like to see people texting under the table and not be aware of what's going on. And Garcelle's like, well, if it affected you so much at dinner, then why didn't you just say something at the ha- at the time? And Sutton's like, well, it didn't affect me. She's like, well, it did because you're bringing it up now. <laughs> um, so they all get to the house and Sutton is now genuinely upset. And she's having to be ushered downstairs by Kyle. Everybody's confused about what happened from the restaurant. What happened in the ride from the restaurant to the house. Kyle's literally taking her downstairs as if this is like her grandma who has trouble walking. And then everybody gets downstairs and they're all standing. And it's like Sutton is the coach and everybody's standing around her trying to figure out like what it is that you're upset about. So Sutton points at Crystal and says, I was feeling left out. (laughs) She says, there was a practical joke happening. So be honest, Crystal. I beg you guys to go back and look at that moment where everybody realizes what Sutton is trying to call Crystal out about because all of them are so shocked except for Kathy (laughs) everybody's like what except for Kathy who's like the face of like what the fuck are we all arguing about like she looks annoyed she looks over it but she also doesn't really know what's going on (laughs) She just knows that the right reaction to Sutton popping the fuck off is to be annoyed. She knew that. She knew that in her spirit. So then Sutton starts screaming at Crystal, you kicked me like Crystal assaulted her or something. And Crystal's like, girl, I kicked you so that you wouldn't ruin the joke for Kathy. You are so uptight. Relax. (laughs) So Garcelle tells Sutton, you've got to let things go. And then Sutton starts mumbling about how she's a grown woman and she's not doing this. And Kyle's whispering in her ear, like, if you're a grown woman, then act like it. (laughs) When even Kyle has to tell you to calm the fuck down and grow up, you in danger, girl. You in danger. So in a confessional, Crystal says that Sutton is so insecure that if she's not included and if it's not about her, that she thinks that somehow she is the victim of something. Sutton should win an Oscar for being a drama queen. (laughs) She's absolutely right. Sutton is deeply insecure, but this is something that we knew 
from last season when didn't they go to Italy and they were they went to the Dolce and Gabbana like showroom and Gar uh, Sutton didn't want to try on clothes and she got all insecure and she started yelling at one of the employees there to like try to stop making her try on clothes. You guys remember she like had that whole meltdown, but they didn't really play a whole clip of it, but it seemed like it was worse than what we saw on television. So now everybody, this is now the Sutton show. And now everybody is being held hostage to her feelings that are grounded in deep insecurity and delusion. Kyle's still ushering her around. Like it's giving like Kyle had to do this a lot with big Kathy growing up where she were, they were like, I don't know, at the playboy mansion or at like, I don't know. Paul Anka's house for a beach party and suddenly big Kathy gets upset and Kyle little Kyle's having to like take her arm and just get her away and stop her from screaming this is a lot <laughs> it felt shades of her past that she's going through again so everybody's sitting down and Sutton's screaming about how there was a joke there was a joke happening at the table am I right am I right who was in on the joke? Raise your hand. Everybody raise your hand if you were in on the joke. <laughs> the way I would go to bed right now, I would make myself the biggest glass of wine and be like, I am not raising my hand to tell you that I was in on a practical joke. How old are we? How old are we? <laughs> um, so everybody raises their hand, except for Kyle. So then... She's like, see, see who raised her hands? Everybody but me. That's not nice. That's not nice. So then Garcelle has to explain to her, like she's five, what happened. There was a joke originally happening over in this pod with me and Kathy, and then Dorit told Erica and Lisa, and then they decided to prank Kathy. Kathy is thinking that she's breaking, pranking them. And then it just turned into a bigger thing where only a couple people didn't know what exactly what was going on, except for, it's like, it seems like Garcelle and Crystal were the only one who knew that the other two were pranking each other. So then Sutton is like, okay, I have no other way to victimize myself, so I'm just going to do and say the lamest thing possible, which is to tell Crystal that nobody in her life has ever kicked her from under a table and told her not to say anything. Well, that really sounds like a you problem. You're telling me that you've lived your whole 87 years of life and no woman has tried to keep you, keep a little cheeky joke from somebody else and told you a secret? That's what you're saying? That no woman has ever told you a secret and told you to keep it from somebody else? That, that sounds like a personal problem, girl. That sounds like your fault. Um, so then Crystal very accurately calls Sutton ridiculous. And then Sutton gets upset about being called ridiculous. And then Crystal has to apologize for calling Sutton ridiculous. And then Sutton doesn't like Crystal's apology for being called ridiculous. So then Garcelle has to turn to Crystal and says, just don't say anything else. <laughs> just don't like I see where you're going but she can't handle it girl she can't handle it 
And guess who else can't handle it anymore? It's Crystal. Because Crystal goes up to her room and says that Sutton just proved to me that she is exactly the girl that I said she was. And then the screen pops up and says 45 minutes later, dot, dot, dot. And we hear Crystal. All we see is her door, but we hear her on the phone with her friend talking about how ridiculous the night was and how Sutton is batshit crazy. Kyle, Kathy, and Sutton are still hanging out downstairs and Kathy says, so Sutton, why did you kick Crystal? (laughs) And it's like, girl, this situation happened hours ago and you think that Sutton assaulted Crystal. (laughs) So they're trying to like halfway explain to her, no, that's not what happened. She kicked me, but she didn't like kick me like that. She just like, you know, never mind, never mind, Kathy. <laughs> and then Kathy's like, "Well, Crystal kicked you. Well, she must have very long legs because she was kicking you from all the way over there." <laughs> I love her. I love her. So then Sutton realizes she looks over and realizes that Crystal left her coat downstairs and she's like well you know what i'm gonna do as a good friend is go and get her her coat so while crystal's talking on the phone still to her friend about how sutton is losing her mind and she's scared of her the episode ends on sutton knocking on crystal's door asking are you up and then walking in and i'm so excited about the next conversation that we see about this because in the preview Crystal says that she was naked when Sutton walked in on her. I can't wait. I can't wait. Ugh. I can't wait. Okay. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. It's now Thursday afternoon. And no response from Luann. No response whatsoever from Luann Deliceps. So, no addendum needed, I guess. All right, guys. (laughs) 